Welcome to the SLAS Discovery Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Glyco Souza, who alongside Tim Spicer, are guest editors for the upcoming special issue on 3D cell culture approaches of microphysiological relevant models. Welcome to the podcast, Glyco. Can you tell me a bit about your background? Of course, I'm a scientist. Uh, that's the first. Um, also, I like to see myself as a, somebody that like to invent things. If you go back where it, it all started, uh, I'm actually from Brazil. I moved to, to the U.S. when I was 18 to go to college. My background is, first was chemistry. Then I in, went into a postdoc at a MD Anderson, where I developed a technology of magnetic 3D cell coach in collaboration with some, some friends from Rice University. And from that, we founded a company that was called Nano3D Biosciences, which was um, then acquired by Griner BioOne, which is, long story short, that's why my, my role now is with Griner. Great. Thanks. That's really interesting. So turning to the special issue, what gave you and Tim the idea for the topic of, of the special issue? Uh, so there's, of course, and it's never only one thing. Tim and I, we have collaborated. We have worked on grants and papers for, for many years using magnetic 3D cell culture and other 3D cell culture tools. And especially the, the pandemic with the need for more realistic, more predictive in vitro models for, for biology in general. With the advance of 3D cell culture now, this is, it was just the right timing to do it. Uh, I believe so. And, uh, and, and, and also, I think because of the pandemic, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, there was a slowdown in productivity, of course, from people being absent from the labs. Then we have supply chain issues, which are still struggling. So having a special issue that can sort of uh, point to new enabling technologies and tools that can help us to catch up lost time. So I think it's the time is really ideal. Okay, thanks. So as a bit of background, I mean, obviously a lot of people have done cell culture. So how do microphysiological systems differ from, for example, 2D and 3D static models? Uh, again, we all like to use fancy words, right? In, in, from, from being a chemist, the way I, I look at cells is they're, they're smart. You bring them together under the right conditions, and generally they, they do what they're supposed to do. So, so I, the way I see the, the, the entire field, not only the directly microphysiological, is really using a 3D environment to create a phenotype that is representative of human physiology, right, in vivo. So, and if it's static or not, it will depend on your question. You know, every experiment, everything you do depends on the question you're posing. This issue shows a lot of tools that can be used for you to approach, um, how to approach a microphysiological system using 3D cell culture biology. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. No, it makes a lot of sense. It's an interesting point that you made around cells are actually quite clever give them the right conditions and actually they'll recapitulate the bio biology that you're interested in. 
Yeah, and and again, that's the chemistry. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's not just chemistry; it's experience. And yeah. and I even tell you a real example. We're very early on. We're trying to when we came up with the magnetic 3D cell culture, we wanted to create a, basically a, a, a post-tissue organoid. And we want to incorporate uh, endothelial cells. And in the beginning, it was a challenge because we're just, you know, mixing things and in a not very controlled way. And we couldn't get the phenotype that we wanted until we really carefully, we titrated the cell numbers, as simple as that. And voila, when we got the right ratio between you know, the, the stem cells and the endothelial cells, all of, a, all of a sudden, the endothelial cells start doing what they're supposed to do. Huh. So it's, it's really, there's nothing simple, nothing's really easy, but in 3D cell culture, the enabling tools, and I keep using that term, but it's true, it's, it's really helpful in achieving the conditions that you have to establish for the cells to interact together and give the biology you're looking for. So, it's, yeah, it's, that's a really interesting point around just giving the cells the right conditions and actually they they will give you the right biology once you've got there. I mean, I guess that's one of the that's one of the key questions, isn't it, around these types of models is how much they recapitulate the organ level biology. Thinking about some of the papers that are in the special issue, I'm thinking, you know, how how. Can you give examples of how that's being addressed? I'm thinking, for example, of the paper by Avellino et al. Mm-hmm. And that's the one with also they use the adipose tissue model as well. Okay, so there's several layers, right? When you're dealing with the 3D cell culture microphysiological uh, models. Mm-hmm. One is creating a model or a 3D structure. And two is showing that we actually have a um, of a representative microphysiological system, right? Yeah. And basically, that's what they did. They used mass spectrometry to characterize the organoids, and it worked really well. And, uh, and, and that's always a combination is, is, you know, validating what you have. And, and there's also the, the phenotype aspect of the whatever phenomenon you're, you're trying to probe. And... Um, Again, I think it's creating predictive models of what you're looking for. It's, it's what it's key. That's what it's all about as far as a 3D cell culture. And I say that because in the beginning, especially, when we start the 3D cell culture world, the bar for us to, to bring 3D cell culture into the labs as a commercial tool was very high. Mm-hmm. People wanted to, you to replicate exactly what the in vivo tissue looks like, but in 3D, okay? Yeah. And that's not going to happen. That's just, it's not realistic. There's, we can work on that, but it's too many variables. But my point is, is again, back to the predictiveness of the 3D cell culture. What is your question? What do you need to predict the phenotype you're trying to, to monitor if you're adding a drug? Is that reproducible? And is that predictive? I think that's the almost the you know the key for three D cell culture. Yeah, absolutely, it makes makes a lot of sense. I mean, you were mentioning about that model in that paper was obviously an adipose model. I mean, are there any other disease areas that the MPS systems have been used in? Especially thinking about some of the papers in the special issue. <laughs> 
So the Barsma okay. paper is a good paper that, that highlights the use of uh, another model, which is another tissue model, which is lung. Mm -hmm. In lung pathology is key for COVID as well. So it's a, this is a very important area, especially now they were, you know, also uh, accelerating the, the looking for therapeutics for COVID too. I think it's, it's very relevant. And throughput is always key. So anything that you can do in high throughput, better it is. And it's an interesting one you're saying about with COVID as well, because obviously the different variants of SARS-CoV-2 are, are infecting different parts of the lung, you know, whether they're more nasal or deeper in the lung. And that's interesting in terms of their physiology. And like you say, it's really important to have those models to be able to not just test, you know, to test the drugs so that they're working in the right tissues to actually affect the right variants as well. I completely agree. And that's where I think throughput is very important because yeah. you need to have, if you need to have different cell types, if you need to have different drugs, different combinations of tissue, the throughput is very important. It's key. And throughput, people forget, it's sampling, it's statistics. It's more, it's uh, more accurate results. So I think, you know, throughput is, is key for, for drug development, as we know. So what are the key determinants of the throughput for the microphysiological systems? Key determinant for throughput. I think I could approach these questions in, in different ways. From a very practical angle, you know, being the lab, and I'll give you a concrete example, 961 versus 384, right? 384, it gives you much more flexibility to have more sampling. You know, instead of having a triplicate, you can have a six split, which is, which is meaningful. We always get an outlier. If you have a triplicate and you get an outlier, you lose your standard deviation on that dose if you're looking at a, at a dose dependence. Uh, you can add more controls. You can add more, more, rap more, more drugs. So throughput, it can really, and time is key. So I think uh, increasing the throughput, it makes the screenings much more practical, much more valuable. It's really critical, isn't it? Like you say, the more that you can do, the more your statistics start to hold up it, so that you're making the right decisions about whatever the question is you're asking of those systems. And again, from practical reasons, we're in the lab. Whenever we get some type of odd answer and things are not in the same plate, you question, is it a different plate? Is because... So having things in one plate... It is a better controlled system. Mm. That makes perfect sense. It's exactly obviously what we've been doing with an SLAS for <laughs> the past 20 plus years. Exactly. Makes sense. Um, we might think alike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, are there any, I'm just thinking, are there any other papers that you'd like to highlight in the special issue? Yeah, of course. Um, there are a few more. The, of course, the big paper by Team Spicer's group, Fernandez Vega et al., Vernalise, and I'm one of the authors on the paper too. We did 150,000 compound screening using magnetic uh, 3D cell culture. And that was a, was a huge effort using uh, pancreatic cancer organoids 
and as far as I, I, I know, this is probably the first screening in 3D of this magnitude using uh, pancreatic tumor models generated from biopsies. So that was a, it's impressive, impressive work. And, and there also in that paper, we show also that, you know, we can not only create the organoids, but we can also mix and match different cell types, taking advantage of um, cancer-associated fibroblasts to integrate the cancer cells and manipulate them. So that was a, uh, really cool. The review by Debuna uh, was also gives a really good overview of uh, how magnetic 3D bioprinting works. They, this group has done some really cool work using um, uh, salivary gland, different type of uh, stem cell derived tissues where they create organoids using magnetic 3D cell culture. Uh, another one that it's uh, very valuable, which is I, I, I like to, to think of you know, the next wave of, uh, of uh, the 3D cell culture world is, you know, integrating 3D with microfluidics in microchips. And uh, the work from uh, Evan Cromwell was really cool where they, they were actually using their microfluidics system to look at uh, patient-derived structures using magnetic 3D cell culture. So it was, uh, we're very happy with uh, the, the amount of uh, good work we got from, from this issue. There was also the work from, <clears throat> from Stern et al. using cell raft, which is a pretty neat way of creating, you know, several organoids into a matrix space array. He showed some, some pretty cool results uh, in characterizing this, uh, these organoids. So there's quite a bit of work, valuable work on, on, uh, on yeah. this issue. It sounds like there's a lot of really interesting papers covering quite a range of topics there. Yes. And that's why I think the goal of this, this issue is, as the vision was in the beginning from Tim and I, is to really collect new tools, enabling tools that will help people to bring 3D cell culture to their lab, take advantage of uh, high-throughput capabilities. It uh, sounds like you've covered all of those bases with the papers that you've got in the special issue. We hope so. It's again, it's a huge field, so we're we just want to keep pushing and get people engaged. And and because still there is a lot of people using to cell culture, which there is still value, of course. But uh, I think today we do understand that three D side by side comparisons between three D and two D cell culture the 3D results are, are more predictive of in vivo biology. And that's, and that's why we're, you know, taking advantage of that. Brilliant. Okay, well, look, thank you for taking the time to tell us more about this upcoming special issue of SLAS Discovery. And for everyone who's listening, this is going to be available as the April issue of SLAS Discovery. So, Thanks, Glyco. Thanks for that insight into the special issue. And I am certainly looking forward to reading those papers when they come out. Thank you very much, Rob. That's an Good absolute pleasure. Speak soon.